Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. take your Bibles, and uh, I'm going to start and have you go to Philippians 4. We're going to be in several places this morning. Um, and we are, we're finishing up this series on prayer today. And this is really, so this is really kind of a whole message on the application of uh, what now? This is week eight. Uh, we've, we've been talking about prayer Biblical prayer since the beginning of the year. And uh, I had a brother in Christ send me this quote early on in my prayer series. And I said, I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to use it at the end of my sermon series. And so I'm doing that today. It's a quote by Andrew Murray. And he said this. He said, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures and talking about it is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play that instrument. Right? Unfortunately, this is often how we have kind of, uh, how, how we've kind of perceived growing in Christ. Uh, that if I just show up, and maybe participate as some other people do this, that I will begin to do this. And I wish, church, I wish it worked like that. Uh, I wish that I could show up at the mechanic shop and watch someone fix a car and go home and do it to my own. That would be nice, right? I wish I could go watch someone work out at the gym. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And, and wake up the next day and be like, this is great. I didn't have to do anything. Here's the problem with that. That's just not how it works. And what has to transpire for me to move, as James would say, from being a hearer of the word to a doer is practice. Everyone say practice. It, it takes effort. Now, when we stepped into this teaching series, church, we stepped into it because as leaders, not just me, but our leaders as a whole, recognize that we have a lot of need for growth when it comes to how we pray and the place that prayer takes when we gather. And this isn't true just here. This is true across, across the Western church. Where it is so easily becoming more about entertainment than it is devotion. It's a dangerous place to go. 
May that not be where we go. Because here's the truth. No matter how entertained you feel, none of that pertains to how much you grow spiritually. Now, I'm a big proponent of having fun. We can have a lot of fun together and still grow in Jesus. But I also know a lot of people that have a lot of fun together and they are at the same depth spiritually that they have been for their whole lives. May that not be true of us. And so in the scope of this, I don't, I don't want us to leave a series on prayer and check a box and move out into the next teaching series and look back two years later, two years down the road, and go, oh yeah, I think we... I think we talked about prayer once. And yet, I fully recognize, I am not blinded to this, church, that for many of us, we hear a message on Sunday morning, and by Wednesday, we've moved on. Because we're just hearing. The same is true about your college lectures. Those of you who experience college lectures, I guarantee you most of what you were lectured on, you cannot recall. And in fact, statistically, it's less than 7%. Now you think about that. How do we move past that? It's common knowledge that we move past that by actually putting into practice what we are hearing. And then if you really, if you really want to remember it, then you, uh, you actually commit to teaching that or passing that on to someone else. Uh, we have another word for that in the church. It's called disciple making. Where I recognize it's not just my job to consume, but then to think about who can I share this with in my home in my workplace, in my community. And so I I simply want to ask this question this morning, briefly, and then we're going to spend some time practicing this. What now? Seven weeks on prayer, Matt. What now? How do we keep from this becoming another teaching where we just sit back, check the box, and move on? So I want to go back to Scripture and highlight these passages on prayer. I want to walk through these and just give us four major focus points. And then we're going to put this into practice. Okay? So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Everyone say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I fully recognize that this point is one of those that it's way easier to say than it is to live out. Do not be anxious. Pray. And some of you are sitting here today and going, (laughs) yeah, as if it's that easy. And what's interesting about Philippians 4 is it doesn't ever say that it's easy to take this route. But what it promises is something we cannot find anywhere else. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Everyone say everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the promise that comes in that in verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's a really obvious point for you, church family. Being anxious will bring you no peace. And if you want to take that a step further, being anxious will never help you move towards peace. It accomplishes nothing. One of my favorite, one of my favorite movie quotes is in the movie, it's called Bridge of Spies. It's a Tom Hanks movie. And in this, Tom Hanks' character is trying to negotiate the exchange of two American spies for another spy of a different country as a lawyer. And he is really representing the spy from another country because no one else would do it. And multiple times in this film, Tom Hanks' character asks this spy... Aren't you, aren't you a little bit concerned? Aren't you worried? And the response of this spy, in a very calm demeanor, the whole time, his character is just calm, at ease. His question to back to Tom Hanks' character is, would it help? And ever since then, I've thought, that is exactly what Philippians 4 is speaking of. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god why why do we pray we pray church because god is the one who knows all god is the one who is in control of all and when i am anxious it's usually because there's something outside of my control that i can do nothing about what should i do to experience peace in that moment Give it to the one who is in control. Instead of allowing myself to just root into my anxiety and desire that, God, if you would just give me control over this, because that's what we're saying, to say, God, I cannot do this, and I need your help. Do not be anxious. Pray. Second thing. Pray constantly. We're going to look up these. Luke 18. 
Luke 18, 1. And Luke 18, 1 is uh, Jesus, kind of the introduction to a parable that Jesus tells, emphasizing prayer. And you're going to see a common theme in each one of these texts. Luke 18, 1, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought... What's that word? Always. Everyone say always. Always to pray and not lose heart. Always to pray and not lose heart. Now, we're going to go to Romans 12. I put these in order so you could just flip forward in your Bible. Luke... John, Acts, Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 12. I just want us to see what the Bible says. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be what? Constant, everyone say constant, be constant in prayer. Always praying, constant in prayer. Now go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. We're going to read verses 10 through 20. says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. How many of you would like to stand against the schemes of the enemy? Everybody's hands should go up for that. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying when? Praying always or at all times in the spirit With all prayer and supplication, to that end, 
Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Last one, 1 Thessalonians 5. If you hit Timothy, you've gone too far. 1 Thessalonians 5. This one's probably the most referenced one when we think about praying constantly. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know how to answer the question, what's God's will for the church? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love when Scripture's clear. Now, how many of you read these verses and go, it's clear we're to pray always? How many of you see that? How many of you go, that's hard. It's hard to think about how we're going to do that, okay? This is challenging. Why? Matt, I have a schedule. I have things to do. Yes. And by golly, do not close your eyes and pray while you are driving. Keep them open. Okay? Don't, don't take this somewhere it's not meant to be. But we have to ask the question, if Scripture communicates that we are to pray always, to pray without ceasing, to pray in all circumstances, as we just read, then we have to wrestle with, what does that mean? Church, at the end of the day, God calls us to depend upon Him. When? All the time. There is never a moment in your daily life that you are not in need of the power of God to intersect with your weakness. Every circumstance, every moment of every day. So what is the response then? I pray without ceasing. How does that become a part of who we are as the church? It begins when we start seeing God for who He is and begin seeing who we are in light of His holiness. It means when I consider the holiness of God, I see in clarity my own inability to control and His sovereignty over all things. And when I see that clearly as Scripture articulates it, what does it leave me to do? Lord, I need you. And more specifically, Lord, we as the church need you. Now, I think there's another application of this. And I think there's a practical way we can live this out as the church corporately. Uh, Many of you probably don't know... um, 
the people group, the Moravians. Have you, has anyone heard of them? Okay, a couple of you have. People group that committed to praying 24 hours a day across to their church family. And it went on for a hundred years. Generation after generation after generation would take up the torch and committed themselves as a church to say every hour there will be at least one person within our midst who's interceding before the Lord. Wow. And to this day, there are many Christian scholars that speculate that there has yet to be another movement that sent more missionaries in that time frame that has has happened. They went from, I think the standard... uh, was like for every, uh, for every several thousand people, the church would send one missionary. And among the Moravians, it was 60 to 1. For every 60 people within their church body, one, one person was sent. And that was all part of how they, how they just interceded and prayed. It was powerful. What motivated that? It was a dependence on the Lord. So practically speaking, I thought to myself... We could do that. Do you know that this year will be a hundred years that this church has been in Canton, Illinois? I want you to think about what might look different if there had been consistent, ongoing, never ceasing prayer for the last hundred years. I don't know. But it's a goal that I'm, I'm like, man, I... I I almost want to aspire to that, right? As a church to be known as a people of prayer, to be known as so devoted to the Lord that who will we be seen as in the next 10 years? The generation that comes after this, who, who will they see us to be? What will that look like? And so here's a challenge where the rubber meets the road, church. I broke up 24 hours into 15-minute sections. 96 people is all it would take. Committing to 15 minutes a day. To have 24-7 prayer. 96. And I went as far to uh, print out a sheet and put it on the table back there. Okay? Okay? I want to challenge us to see how many of those slots we can fill. I have to believe that at least amongst the midst of us, and those of you online, that there's at least a handful of you that are awake at 2 in the morning. Just saying. There may be some people who work third shift. And say, you know what, while I'm working, I can take 15 minutes and pray. I want to challenge you with that. Before you leave today, how do we fulfill this? What do we do? I think we commit. I don't know about you, I put my name to something, I commit to it. I love this one. Turn to Colossians chapter 4 with me.
Colossians 4, I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Think about the imagery of being watchful in something. If I continue steadfastly in prayer and I'm watchful in it, what does it imply? Generally, it implies I'm watching for something. Church family, I, I, I'm, I'm compelled to believe that if we pray in line with God's word, that we should be watching for it to happen. In the same way that the book of James tells us that if any of you ask wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But when you ask, don't doubt. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. He should not expect to receive anything. How many times does prayer just become a checkbox where we do it and we kind of say, okay, I did that, God. But we're not watching. We're not watchful in it. Nor are we really looking for what what does God's word say we should pray. And how we should do that. And so I challenge us to think about if I'm praying in a way that I'm not then also watching for how God's going to move in that, then I should probably change how I pray. When we become watchful, when we become people who are prone to anticipate what God's going to do, you start to see things that you previously were blind to. If you pray that God would put someone in your path to share the gospel with, and you anticipate that God's going to do that, you will start seeing opportunities to share Jesus with people that previously you didn't see. I can personally testify to that in my own life. If you start praying for God to put needs in front of you that you can meet whether those are relational needs, monetary needs, whatever, you start praying that way and anticipate that God's going to answer that, you'll start seeing opportunities and brokenness in ways that you haven't seen. Are we being watchful in what we pray? Are we praying with anticipation that God hears? And the last thing is this. 1 John 5, go with me here. This is the last place we're going to be just in these reminders of what now before we spend some time in prayer. First John's almost near the end of your Bibles. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. Back up a few books. <clears throat> First John 5, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Uh, 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. There's a couple factors in this that we need to consider. One, it is way harder to pray what the will of God is than we'd like to admit. Why? Because it's a whole lot easier to pray my will. It's a whole lot easier to picture what I want to see and pray that God would make that happen. Because you know what? He could do anything. And yet Scripture over and over calls us back to pray according to whose will? God's will. In fact, Matthew 6, which we're going to go to our outline in prayer here in a minute. It says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, if we want to see God move and show up, we have to start aligning ourselves in the areas where he's already moving. You realize God doesn't need us. To accomplish His purposes. He's chosen to use us. As His children. And yet. So often we become frustrated. Because I'm praying and I'm not seeing that my will is. is my will's not being answered God. And in the process of. Having a pouty fit over my will not being met. God is working. And he's changing lives. And he's transforming homes. And he's drawing people to himself. And we're missing it. Because all we can see is ourselves. May that not be true of us. Instead, for the person who prays in line with the will of God, we know that he hears it. And we know that he answers and responds. We can pray with confidence. And you might say, Pastor Matt, how do I do that? You begin by seeking out what the will of God is. You have been given one of the greatest gifts in the word of God. It's in your hands. All you have to do is open it and begin to read and search and say, God, I want to know what your will is, that I might pray your will and pursue your will. And as Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. How am I to do that if I don't know what they are? I have to start there. Now, as we prepare to transition, I just want to take you back to Matthew chapter 6, okay? Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to transition back into 
just a time of prayer. And uh, as we get ready to transition to this time of prayer, I want you uh, to be prepared to help me in reading some scripture uh, each each time we shift our prayer focus this morning. Um, I want to have someone else read the correlating psalm so that we participate together in this time. In Matthew 6, this is where Jesus taught his disciples how they were to pray. And this is the outline we're going to use, church. Because I'm more and more convinced that Jesus was concise and yet exhaustive when he taught his disciples how this was to happen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here's how this is going to look this morning. We're going to start by just focusing our attention on God. Hallowed be your name. Honoring the Lord. The greatest challenge in all this is our temptation is to talk about what God has done for me. No, 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 no. We're not, we don't want to bring God, we don't want to bring ourselves into this. We simply want to affirm who God has revealed himself to be. Who does God say he is? To hallowed his name, to honor him. And then we're going to focus prayer on God's will for the church. But think about what has he called us to as his people? Not individually, corporately. What has he called us to? Why does the church matter? Why does the church exist? To pray God's will for the church. Then we're going to pray for God's provision for that which we need. Not want, need. And then we're going to shift to forgiveness. That God would forgive our iniquities, our trespasses, our sins. In the same way that we forgive others. Understanding that he's already given us that forgiveness in Christ. But reminding ourselves and each other that apart from the forgiveness given to us in Christ, we are hopeless. And then finally, we're going to ask the Lord for his protection. Seeking to understand biblically what that looks like. When Jesus said, be prepared to suffer for my name's sake. So in between each one of these, we're going to, we'll sing some songs. We'll we'll honor the Lord. Uh, We're going to pray. And I want us to think about this in terms of what God has called us to as his people. I fully recognize that for some of you, uh, this may be uncomfortable. And yet, I also recognize that where the true power lies is in the hands of the one who's over all. And we would do best to depend upon him. To practice this faithfully. So I want to pray. And then 
We're going to read Psalm 104. I'm going to have someone read that. And after we read Psalm 104, we're going to just pray corporately for the name of the Lord to be honored, glorifying who He is over all things. Father, we come to You and we recognize our need for prayer. We recognize that we are a people who are prone to go our own way. And Lord, we're asking the question, what now? How do we do this? How do we navigate this according to your plan, according to your purposes? God, may we fix our eyes fully upon your will in this time, seek to bring glory to you in this, and that it would not remain here. We would faithfully carry this into a world that desperately needs that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. 